Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Live from New York, I'm Julian Chatterley. This is First Move, and here's your need to know. World warning, the WHO says the Omicron variant risk is very high. Travel tightened, Japan and Australia the latest to implement new restrictions and sell-off suspended. The global risk-off trade on pause for now. It's Monday, let's make a move. I will welcome once again to First Move, where we'll bring you the latest analysis of the risks and the global response to the Omicron variant. We still lack crucial information about how the variant behaves. What I can promise you is that on First Move, we're all about facts and not fear. Later this hour, Dr. Peter Hotez, Professor and Dean of Tropical Medicine at Baylor College on the scientific response, plus the global business leaders view. Dave Clark, Amazon's worldwide consumer CEO, will join us on this Cyber Monday, as well as Ashwani Gupta, Chief Operating Officer of the car giant Nissan, as it announces a huge electrification push. Financial markets in the meantime feeling firmer after a steep sell-off on Friday across stocks, energy markets and risk currencies. U.S. futures, as you can see, and European majors solidly higher, though still down across the two days. Far more liquidity today, though, with more investors back after the long weekend holiday. Oil, which tumbled some 10 percent on Friday, regaining just over half of the lost ground we saw on Friday. Global bond yields also firmer too. one day of course, does not a trend make. It could take weeks to understand the Omicron threat, and that will keep us cautious, including investors. We're all going to be cautious at this stage. We also all hate the uncertainty, but this is a time, I think, when patience is needed most desperately. We begin this week humbled by our lack of knowledge about the new variant, but also comforted and profoundly grateful, I think, for everything our scientists have done so far to keep us safe. Let's get right to the drivers. Omicron alert. The WHO warning the global risk from the newly discovered COVID variant is very high. And that's the message that we have to keep in mind. Japan is now banning all foreign nationals from entering the country. And Australia has paused the next phase of its border reopening. Paula Hancock is live in Seoul with more for us. Paula, let's start in Japan because they've restored restrictions that they only loosened this month, I believe. And then you can take us on a regional tour. Yes, Julia, I mean, it's worth pointing out that it was only a matter of days ago that we were talking about so many Asian countries living with COVID, opening uh, borders, easing restrictions, and it has all come to a screeching halt now due to this new variant. So Japan has been the strongest in its response so far in Asia. Uh, They have said, uh, the Prime Minister said that uh, they were going to uh, ban all new arrivals from foreign nationals from Tuesday. And he said it was, quote, in order to avoid the worst situation Now, he's pointing out it is temporary at this point and saying what we're hearing time and time again from officials, that they just 
feel they need to buy some time to figure out what they are dealing with. Now, the the daily numbers、uh, of new cases in Japan are particularly low at this point, somewhere around sixty.、Uh, when you consider there was、uh, close to、uh, to twenty thousand、uh, for 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 a while back in August, so they've really done well to to lower those case. Figures,、uh, and this is why they're saying that they are now taking this quite sudden、uh, response, and they admit that it is the strongest response we've seen so far. Yeah, acting first, and we'll see about some of the details. I think later, which is、um, which is what we're seeing elsewhere too. There is the other side of this, and there are those that are continuing with some of their plans, even if they're just internal. New Zealand, I believe, still going ahead with some of the internal removal of restrictions that they've been planning to do, which I think is important to point out as well. That's right. Yes, this is、uh, Auckland. This is the the largest city in New Zealand. They have been under lockdown for quite some time now, as they、uh, discovered one case of of the Delta variant.、Uh, New Zealand has had very strict border controls really throughout the entire pandemic. So while internally they may be releasing and and, and relieving some of those restrictions, they're certainly not doing it in an, an international sense. They had said that they would probably start to ease restrictions as of next. Next year, but they have time to figure out exactly what they want to do. Australia,、uh, just their neighbour, for example, they've now、uh, postponed the next phase of their opening up. They were going to allow skilled workers, students, some eligible tourists from December first. That's been pushed back to December fifteenth. And they themselves have already identified five positive cases of the Omicron variant,、uh, so they're considering what else they need to do. So we really are seeing an about turn in most countries. China, of course, is is the one standalone、uh, because it already has the、uh, one of the strictest border controls in the whole world. They haven't given up on their zero COVID policy at this point, Julia. Yes, buying some time until we get more information. I think that's the message, Paula Hancock's. Thank you so much for that. To Europe now, and Europe's top official warning: the world is in a race against time with the Omicron variant. Austria, the latest country to report an infection, cases have also been found in the UK, the Netherlands, Portugal, Germany, Belgium, and the Czech Republic. Larry Medoro joins us now. Larry, great to have you with us. Just talk about the, some of the changes that we've seen. The UK, I think, took stringent measures over the weekend to increase testing on new arrivals, mask wearing too, and some countries like Spain tightening up on the travel. Um, arrivals of those that are unvaccinated. That's correct, Julia. Spain becoming the latest European country to introduce extra restrictions for those coming in from Southern Africa. So everybody will have to quarantine for at least ten days before being allowed back into Spanish society. This is part of what the European Union calls emergency breaks until they understand more about this new variant of the coronavirus. So. France, for instance, said France and 14 other European countries applied these measures in a coordinated way to try and better handle this compared to the previous four waves of COVID here in Europe. So you see, just today we've seen new announcements: six new cases in Scotland, and these are especially useful to understand what might be happening in every other country, because these cases in Scotland do not have a history of travel. They did not come from Southern Africa. We also saw that one new case in Austria, thirteen in Portugal, and authorities here in France, Julia, say that they have eight possible cases, none confirmed so far. But it's only a matter of time. There could already be cases circulating. In the population, that is the similar view from Ireland. So that's why across the European Union, you hear 
the head of the European Commission, Asla von der Leyen, say it's a race against time, but they need two to three more weeks to understand this virus and what kind of tools will they need? Will current vaccines work or will there need, be need for more? And even Johnson & Johnson, some of the other vaccine manufacturers have said they're looking into it. Yeah. And we await uh, more information clearly. And our eagle-eyed viewers will note that the base of the Eiffel Tower is behind you and you are in Paris. And Larry, you were reporting your own efforts to get tested and perhaps some of the challenges that you face. Just walk us through that too. So I did fly in to Paris from Nairobi in Kenya, which is in East Africa. But the French health ministry required me also to isolate and do a PCR test and only leave after I got a negative test. This is the extra precaution that uh, health authorities in France and across Europe are applying. Obviously, that's been criticized by some who feel it's onerous and it specifically targets travelers from Africa who already go through a lot of hoops just to be able to travel in the West. But it is the nature of this virus that there is so little that we know of the Omicron virus, variant of the coronavirus that uh, public health authorities are trying everything possible. In the Netherlands, uh, Julia, a couple that tried to flee quarantine after people who had flown in from South Africa who tested positive were put up in a hotel, they tried to go back on a plane, they were detained and sent right back into quarantine. That's how you see authorities trying to make sure that there is no chance that people who could be infected are allowed to make to the general population. Yeah. Larry Badova, thank you so much for reporting for us and uh, great to see the negative test. <laughs> okay, let's move on. As Larry was saying there, unjustified and unfair. South Africa's president hitting out at the growing number of countries that are banning flights from southern Africa. These restrictions are completely unjustified and unfairly discriminate against our country and our southern African sister countries. The prohibition of travel is not informed by science nor will it be effective in preventing the spread of this variant. David McKenzie joins us now from Pretoria. David, it's exactly what we discussed on Friday. The South Africans have great sequencing science and technology. They were the ones that announced that they'd found this variant. And unfortunately, now they're being punished at a critical time for the economy as, as tourism season gets going. Well, that's right. This is the worst possible timing for this. Not that any timing would be good. And, mm. you know, you heard from the South African president there. Other words I've heard from scientists and officials, outrageous, unfair, draconian. And, you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk today from officials and otherwise saying, talking about buying uh, some time. Well, the time has already slipped, according to many scientists. So uh, the, the, that is sort of an assumption rather than something based necessarily on science. I spoke to one of the top uh, vaccine experts in the country just a short time ago. He said, here's the problem. Uh, the, even though the South African uh, scientists were able to identify this very quickly, unclear where this uh, variant emerged, uh, it was already out there. Yeah, as Larry reported, those cases in Scotland and other indications that there may be community transmission outside of Southern Africa means that really these bands don't really mean much, according to some scientists I was speaking to. Uh, and they said to have a ban that's effective for a variant, you'd have to shut your entire country or from the entire rest of the world, like New Zealand has done uh, for many months. Uh, the good news, though, uh, turning back to the virus itself for 
a second. Uh, there is some early indications that vaccines have been effective in terms of avoiding uh, severe disease. Most of those in hospital right now, and the numbers are still very low in this part of the world, uh, are from those who are unvaccinated. Uh, many science, uh, scientists I've talked to said they believe there should be uh, a level of uh, vaccine efficacy, particularly against severe disease, but they also use that two to three week timeline in terms of finding out exactly uh, what the implications are. But in the meantime, uh, the entire world appears to be shut off to this region. And the long-term effects of that, uh, if, certainly if this appears to be a false alarm in months, we don't know yet, uh, uh, could be dire. Yeah, we just have to wait and see for that. Um, and as we're saying on the screen there, if you want more information on the rules and restrictions, you can go to cnn.com and there is information there. David, in the meantime, thank you for that. David McKenzie there. Okay, let's move on. Global investors not only concerned about the Omicron health threat, but also the threat of the governmental response. We were discussing there Omicron uncertainty still omnipresent on global markets, but a firmer tone today. Christine Romans is here. Christine, great to have you with us. More investors in action today. Let's be clear as well, because you and I were saying, look, market liquidity was thin on Friday. Outsized reactions are likely. One day does not a trend make, but a little bit more rational response, I think, today to what we're seeing, even if the uncertainty persists. Yeah, it's about weighing the risks, right? And we don't actually know a lot of the details that are needed to make that decision as an investor, right? We don't know how dangerous or transmissible this is. We don't know if it can evade immunity or we don't know if it can evade the vaccines. These are all things that scientists are going to need a couple of weeks to get their their hands around here. We know that the drug makers are working hard and saying they can move very quickly if they need to tweak or uh, re for, you know, reformulate their vaccines. But in terms of investors, you know, Friday was almost a freak out to the extent of we're going back to the March 2020 defensive crouch. And I think very few people think you'll go back to March 2020 kinds of positioning in terms of consumer behavior and business behavior and government behavior. So now the next question is this three-dimensional chess of what does this mean for the Fed? We're probably going to get very strong numbers this week on the American economy finishing up uh, up the year. Um, potentially the decline in energy prices could be disinflationary. What does that mean about the inflation component of all this? So there are just so many unknowns, I think, that investors are rightfully taking a pause here until there is more information, Julia. Yeah, and I think some perhaps of the greater degree of confidence that we're seeing is the fact that we've had uh, BioNTech and Pfizer, of course, one of the big vaccine makers, say, look, it's going to take us perhaps a couple of weeks for information. We've also had Moderna come out and say, look, this is the beauty of mRNA vaccines. We can perhaps tweak this. We may even have a vaccine that can fight this or be more potent against this in the first quarter of next year. It helps with some degree of confidence, perhaps, or comfort, if not confidence. Yeah. And I think you're hearing from really smart people who you can trust that this is a reminder that you want to be triple vaxxed. You want Aha. to be vaccinated and boosted. And we know the, vac- the vaccine divide prolongs the pandemic, right? This is a perfect example of that. So let's talk to policymakers again about making sure that we are getting shots in the arms all over the world and really sort of refocus the vaccination and mitigation efforts um, and kind of let some of the political noise fall to the wayside. So I think there may be the outlier um, conspiracy theorist who's saying, oh, look, this means the vaccines don't work. That is absolutely not what the message you're getting from the smartest people in the world, right, who want to uh, preserve public health and serve public health, right? It is that vaccinations 
work. They matter. We've got to do better on this. Yeah, great point, as always. Christine Romans, thank you so much for that. Okay, still to come here on First Move. Holiday shopping snafus? Potentially, I discuss supply chains, workers, and now a new COVID variant with Amazon's consumer SAR. And amped up ambitions, Nissan says it will spend $18 billion to electrify as its rivals race ahead. That's all to come. Stay with us. Welcome back to First Move and a less ominous mood on Wall Street after Friday's Omicom-driven sell-off. The Wall Street majors are set to regain a decent chunk of what they lost on Friday when new variant fears emerge. Tech also set to recapture around half of the 2.2% drop we saw in that shortened session on Friday. A rebound also for airlines, cruise lines and other reopening stocks that saw sharp pullbacks as well. The major cruise line finished Friday session down over 10%. So as you can see there, Carnival and Royal Caribbean, at least at this stage pre-market, gaining over 4.5%. Helping boost sentiment assurances, as we've mentioned from major vaccine producers, that they can adjust their ingredients to fight Omicron if necessary. Moderna shares soaring almost 12% pre-market after Friday's 20% jump. Moderna saying it can ship a higher dose vaccine soon, but it says that Omicron-specific vaccine will take months to develop. Amazon is among the major retailers bracing for impact from Omicron. Potentially, the shopping behemoth already juggling supply chain issues, a labor shortage and inflationary pressures. And today is Cyber Monday, a huge deal for online retailers. Dave Clark is CEO of Worldwide Consumer at Amazon. He joins me from a regional distribution hub in Texas, which operates 18 daily flights. Dave, great to have you with us. And my apologies there for putting words into your mouth. Can you tell me what discussions you are having, if at all, about this potential new variant and adjustments that will be made if required? Well, good morning and thanks for having us on. You know, if there's something I've learned over the last almost two years with COVID is sometimes you just need to be patient and let the scientists do their jobs. And I think over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna learn a lot about Omicron. What I know is, is that we're prepared Uh, to keep our employees safe with the protocols we put in place with the hundreds of millions of dollars we've invested in laboratory equipment since the start of COVID. And I have a lot of confidence, as you just described, in the incredible companies and scientists that have produced the vaccines to date, that we'll be able to meet this head on and that 22 uh, will be much different than it was in 20 or even in Delta in 21. So I'm optimistic about 22 and I'm optimistic about uh, what's ahead for us. Yeah, we wait for the facts and we trust the science at this stage. And Dave, you're echoing, I think, the message of this show, too. Um, Tell me what's going on behind you, first and foremost, because I can see a plane with Prime written on the side. And I mentioned that you're at one of your regional hubs there in in Texas. Talk to me about the kind of volumes that you've seen. Obviously, it's early hours in Cyber Monday, but we did have Black Friday, of course, and shopping over the weekend, too. Well, we're off to a really good start this season. We had a record day on Black Friday. Uh-huh. Uh, we built momentum through the weekend, and we're coming in. We've started the dates early, uh, but we're off to a great start. And, you know, what we're seeing, kind of back to the Omicron question, is customers are buying the kind of things that allows them to, you know, that shows they're coming back together with their family and friends for the first time since maybe the start of the pandemic. We're seeing a lot of sales in clothing, dresses, uh-huh. denim, a lot of home goods, decor, and those kind of items. I was going to say, where are the best discounts? 
Well, you know, we've got discounts every hour in every corner of the store. One of the great things about Amazon is you can find anything here, and <laughs> almost anything is going to be on sale today. So if you're looking for something, come out. I, you can almost guarantee uh, something in the area of the store you're looking for is going to be on sale with new stuff every hour. In Amazon's latest earnings, and I do think this is an important point, um, you warned of the challenges of, of bottlenecks, of raw material costs, of heightened uh, trucking costs as well, and that some rerouting of products to certain facilities where staffing is better have meant higher costs of trucking because the distance required to get them where they need to go, of course, is, is more expensive right. and it takes a bit more time. Is that impacting particularly delivery for prime members where you've promised same day in many cases? What impact is that having, at least in the short term, around these key shopping days? Right. Well, we've, we're hiring well. You know, we, would we love to have more people? Yes, but we're set for the holiday season. We hired 45,000 people last week. There's certainly parts of the U.S. that are more challenging than others. Uh, but we're seeing this holiday already, our delivery speeds are basically back or better than our pre-COVID 2019 delivery speeds. Customers should feel confident you know, in their deliveries this season. Many customers are going to deliver an order up until the 24th this year. And we're ready for it. We have a we're about 20% more inventory right now than we did a year ago. So we're ready on selection. We're ready on delivery capacity. We've got these planes ready to go. Uh, we're dialed in and ready uh, for a great holiday this year. I love your optimism. Where are going to be and where is the most challenging areas? And, and what do you foresee as potential issues as much as you've made efforts to mitigate, as you're saying? Yep. Well, you know, where we see it is, you know, the metropolitan areas in the U.S. are some of the most challenging places to staff. You know, we're set uh, for those areas for the holiday. What it has meant is it means some people are going to work more, more full-time shift, less part-time shifts, some more overtime uh, for a couple weeks during the holiday, maybe than normal. But we're going to be uh, set for customers. Customers shouldn't worry about what's going to happen this holiday season. Uh, they're good to go. And what I, what, one of the things that's helped us is, you know, we really came into the pandemic having already set our rages at $15 plus. We've added to that through the course of the pandemic. But given the quality of our employment offer, we're still able to hire tens of thousands of people, uh, over 100,000 people for this holiday season. Let's talk about what's going on in Europe, because there have been threatens of, of strike action in, in various different countries. As part of the group Make Amazon Pay, they're deliberately trying to force higher pay, I believe, better conditions for workers as well. Is, is any of that action justified in your mind? I think we have a great offering for employees around the world, in Europe and in the U.S. I think we're, we have a great environmental position with the Climate Pledge, where we're carbon neutral, by net carbon free by 2040, and all the work going in there with electric vans and all the recycling work we're doing, the uh, alternative energy work that's being done. So I actually think we have an incredible story there. I think we're a leader in a bunch of those fronts. And so I, I understand the passion uh, we share that passion. I think it's at times it's misplaced, uh, but we share it and uh, we're doing our best uh, every day to be better and to keep driving on those points for our employees and for customers and for the world. And I hear what you're saying about your efforts on sustainability and recycling, but when a worker has to go home and decide how to buy presents for their family or to heat their homes, it's a separate issue. Some of the, some of the French warehouse workers said to CNN... Um, They've been asked to work all four Saturdays in the run-up to 
the holiday season to Christmas, um, and that's above and beyond their usual hours. Can you just give us a sense of what happens if those workers say, no, I'm not doing it, and, and what the extra pay is perhaps for, for working extra hours beyond their designated weekly work hours, Dave? Again, I asked the question of whether their concern is justified. Do you pay them extra for those, right. for those hours, and are they okay saying no? Well, it depends on the area and the parts of the world. So we have different uh, contractual structures, different overtime structures, but employees are paid for all the hours they work. They're paid for overtime in the hours they work. Uh, and employees have personal time and, and available time they can take to take time off if they need it. It is very common in the retail industry for the holiday season for employees to need to work extra days. And our customers want their deliveries seven days a week and people expect their deliveries to get there in time for holidays. And I think our employees want to be part of that and want to share in that experience of giving customers an incredible holiday. Uh, I think uh, we work every day to bring them into that story and to make them a part of the decision making for how we deliver a holiday season. And so I feel good about where we sit in each of those geographies. Uh, and I think our employees are going to have a good holiday as well. Yeah, I mean, whether you're Amazon or a small business, you have to work harder during the holiday season. I think that's, um, I think that's a given. Um, Will workers be penalized, though, if they say no? What, what is the global policy at Amazon? Do you have one? If workers say, look, I, I have to be at home, I can't do those extra hours, can they be penalized? Will they be penalized? I accept you have to work harder at Christmas but, or in the holiday season, but, but will workers be penalized? Well, in every geography we operate in, we have very specific attendance policies and personal leave policies that allow people flexibility to adjust their schedule, to have time for things that they need, whether it's a, a medical issue, they have an issue with a child they need to deal with, if some kind of scheduling challenge. So everywhere we operate, we have a lot of programs for how we enable flexibility for our employees to be able to deal with issues, whether that be in the holiday uh, or during the rest of the year. I, I feel very confident in our programs and that we have programs that are uh, built for and are uh, accepted by and appreciated by the employees we have around the world. I hear your message. And the message to consumers, Dave, is if you buy something this holiday season, we're going to get it to you fast. That's exactly right. <laughs> I got the message. Dave Clark, great to chat to you. CEO of Worldwide Consumer at Amazon there for us. Thank you, sir. Okay, the market's open. Is next. Stay with us. Welcome back to First Move. U.S. stocks are up and running on Wall Street. The S&P and Nasdaq are gaining back around half of what they lost during Friday's Omicron-driven weakness. Low trading volume helped contribute to Friday's volatility, too, as we keep reminding you. More market participants are back at work today, and that could give us a clearer picture of how investors view the new health threat. There is clearly much we do not know about how Omicron will play out. What we do know is that many leading economies are on pretty solid footings. The U.S. is expected to report Friday that another half a million jobs were created last month. Fed Chair Jay Powell and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen are set to discuss the economic outlook and the Omicron uncertainty before Congress tomorrow, so we'll be paying attention to that. Business sentiment, though, could sour if the new variant is deemed a serious threat. OPEC Plus saying it's delaying its planned meeting this week in hopes of getting more information on the COVID situation. A lot of time being bought, I think, around the world. And this, as 
as the world races to understand the gauge and gauge the impact. A growing number of countries now reporting confirmed cases of the highly mutated variant. We still don't know whether Omicron causes more severe illness and how efficacious current vaccines will be in fighting it. So let's get some expert advice. Dr. Peter Hotez is co-director of the Centre for Vaccine Development at Texas Children's Hospital and dean of the National School of Tropical Medicine at Baylor College of Medicine. Dr. Hotez, it's always great to have you with us. Your wisdom first. What do we need to understand? There's much we don't know, but what can we assess at this stage? Yeah, I think it's it's this is a, a time to also not not panic and to mm. have some situational awareness. A few things to consider, Julia. First of all, the fact that this variant is found in multiple European countries, Canada, Hong Kong, Australia, in itself is not a cause for alarm. Pretty much any variant that we've ever identified. Um, by the time we identify it, it's the same situation. It's already in multiple countries across the globe, beginning with the original variant out of uh, central China. Uh, you know, when we focused on closing the uh, travel restrictions for, from China, the virus had already entered into New York City from southern Europe. So I think that's a key piece to keep in mind. Second, uh, as you point out, severity of illness most of the variants have pretty much shown a similar clinical pattern. So the likely scenario is this virus also will not be substantially different from the others that we've seen. We've heard some reports that it causes less severe illness. Hard to know. It's, it, I think that's too early to say. More likely it's going to be similar to the others. Third, we're now with our vaccine looking to see whether it can cross-protect against the Omicron variant. And there's some not not very complicated experiments that could be done in the laboratory to determine that hopefully by the end of the week. I know Pfizer and Moderna are doing the same. One possible scenario is that if you've been boosted and you have really high levels of virus neutralizing antibody, there should be enough to cross-protect against the Omicron variant. Can't say that for sure. This has been the case for the beta variant out of South Africa last year. Remember the B1351 and the Lambda variant that had a lot of similar mutations as Omicron. But um, So I'm somewhat optimistic, but, but we don't know for certain. And hopefully by the end of the week or early next week, we'll, ha- we'll have the following week, we'll have some information. And finally, on transmissibility also, a lot we don't know. Yes, it accelerated in one province in South Africa where Pretoria and Johannesburg are located. It doesn't mean it's going to do the same globally. So I think the key message is if you're really concerned um, and you have access to vaccines, that should be what you should be doing, maximizing your ability to either get boosted, vaccinate your kids, and speaking to the unvaccinated because they remain at high risk, particularly with this existing Delta variant that's now accelerating in in Europe Mm. and the United States and North America. I mean, there are so many great points in there, Dr. Hotez, and I know you and your team there have done brilliant work on creating your own vaccine that's being utilised in poorer nations as well. So we are literally talking about sitting tight, not panicking for again, perhaps even the end of the week, early next week, it's very few days just to um, sit tight, not panic. And as you said, um, focus on the vaccines that we do have. We don't have any sense yet whether this uh, variant is sufficient to outcompete Delta. So if we want to be panicking about anything, arguably we should be panicking about the variant that's out there already, which is Delta and is all over the world. Yeah, let's look, look. Look at the situation in the United States, Julia. Since June 1 of this year, over the last six months, 
150,000 unvaccinated Americans, unvaccinated Americans, needlessly threw their lives away because they refused to get vaccinated. That's a far greater uh, problem than likely Omicron is going to be, the, the fact that people are defiant against getting vaccinated. And now we're starting to see that anti-vaccine, anti-science defiance or aggression go into Western Europe, into Canada. And, and that's what we need to focus on is getting everybody vaccinated. And of course, globally, we have this tragic situation that the African continent is for all practical purposes unvaccinated. South South America, Central America, Southeast Asia, highly under-vaccinated because, and they don't have access to vaccines. So we're hoping our vaccine can help fill that gap. And we're hoping for some good news soon out of India. We've we, What we've done is transferred the technology for our vaccine and helping the co-development to vaccine producers in India, Indonesia, Bangladesh, and now um, to a group that's going to hopefully do this in, in, in Africa and try to fill the gap with our recombinant protein vaccine. Yeah, it's so important. Um, Peter, if more people were vaccinated, would we prevent or at least slow these variants that we keep talking about, and this one obviously more than others, popping up so often? Because I think we all have unvaccinated friends, perhaps family members, acquaintances that when we say, look, we need to get people need to get vaccinated, they say, look, vaccinated people are getting sick, too. They're spreading it, too. What's the response to those people? What what should we be saying to those people? Well, once once you're boosted, it looks like your ability to spread the virus uh, does diminish significantly, just like it did after we got the first two doses of mRNA in the weeks afterwards. That also halted transmission. That was studies from Israel. So being, getting vaccinated makes a big difference. And here's the bottom line, Julia. Remember, the alpha, if you look at our big pandemic threat variants, the alpha, the delta, and now possibly Omicron, with Alpha, it arose out of an unvaccinated population out of Southern England in 2020. With mm. Delta, it arose out of an unvaccinated population. Um, I'm sorry, in Southern England, yeah, in 2021, it, it was Delta rising out of an unvaccinated population in India, and now Omicron out of an unvaccinated population in Africa. So Mother Nature is telling us what the problem is. We're not vaccinating the world. And as long as we continue to not do that, we will have uh, significant variants emerge. I mean, this is a respiratory virus. It's endemic. Um, do we all need to understand that look, we're not getting rid of this? And when our hearts sank on Friday, when this news broke, we have to remember the key to this. And I think you're alluding to it here and you're making the point quite precisely. The key to handling this is the response now and every day and more people booking vaccinations and trying to reduce the proportions of populations around the world. Those that have vaccine access and aren't taking it, but also those that don't have access and don't have the choice to try and protect against these variants popping up in, in pools of unvaccinated people wherever it is in the world. You know, I'm actually of the opinion, Julia, not all, not all of my colleagues agree with me for full disclosure, but I do think we can vaccinate our way out of this pandemic. But the problem is the bar mm. is high. When you have a highly transmissible variant like Delta, uh, it means that we need 85% of the global population vaccinated and fully vaccinated, um, which may mean three doses of mRNA or or, or two doses of J&J and &J in, in, in our vaccine. So it is doable. And people say, well, this will never happen. Well, I say, of course it can happen. We've we've done it. We've done it with smallpox, with polio. We do it often on a yearly basis with measles and diphtheria and pertussis and tetanus mm -hmm. to 
dramatically reduce the prevalence. So we have that track record. We just need the political and global commitment to make it happen. Can I just bring us back to the science in the short term of this and get your perspective on variants that we've seen in the past and the degree of mutation to the spike protein? Because this, I think, was what raised flags on Friday and people were incredibly alarmed. And obviously that changes the nature of how the the variant or the virus itself behaves. But just from your understanding and your wisdom, compare this to what we've seen in the past for other variants. Well, we've had other variants that have significant mutations in the spike protein and including the receptor binding domain that are partially resistant to vaccines. One of them was the B1351, the beta variant that came out of South Africa last year. Another Mm. one was the Lambda variant out of South America. And you might say, well, gee, I could barely remember those. And the reason you could barely remember those was because they never really accelerated. So I think this is a key point that just because you have a lot of mutations in the spike protein, that in itself is not causing widespread uh, transmission. So that there are other factors associated with the increase in transmission around a different site called the furin cleavage site that's doing it. So just because there are a lot of mutations in the spike protein in itself is may not be a big cause for alarm if we're getting cross-protection with, with the vaccines. The key is knowing whether it's more transmissible because of the other sites. And it, it's a pretty high bar to outcompete the Delta variant. Um, it's I suppose it's possible, and, and but I've not really seen a lot of evidence that that's really happening. So I think we, we have to be concerned, we have to be cautious, but we not this is not a time for undue alarm either. Yeah, and, and the point is, we've got a bigger issue and that's Delta and we need to be reacting to that, never mind what yeah, we and, get in the and, coming days. And closing the, and closing the borders and, and, and trying to isolate Southern Africa is, is not the way to go. We've already seen that it doesn't work and there are better ways to do this, which is to work with the with the people of Southern Africa and build self-sufficiency so they can vaccinate their populations. And I, and I think we have the possibility to do that if there was the political will. So assisting Africa and helping Africa is, is far more productive than trying to isolate them. Yeah, it's a political response, not a scientific response or a human response. Dr. Peter Hotez. Thank you so much for your wisdom, as always. Stay Thank safe, you. please, and Appreciate we'll let you get back to your, uh, your team. Fingers crossed you have good news for us in the coming days. You're watching First Move. More to come. Welcome back to First Move. And this is an interesting one. There are reports circling that Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey is stepping down. Twitter stock is up on that report. Dorsey co-founded the social media giant in 2006. And yesterday he tweeted, I love Twitter. Twitter stock was up as much as 6% on these reports. There you go. It's softening a little bit now. We're still working to verify the news. We'll bring you more on it when we get it. Of course, he's still the CEO of Twitter right now. He's still the CEO of Square as well. So this is the last response you want when rumours swell that you're stepping down. But it would allow someone else perhaps to focus more keenly on Twitter. Nothing verified at this stage. We will bring you further news if we get it. Now, Twitter, not the only tech stock gaining ground this Monday. Tech is rallying along with the energy sector as investors continue to assess the threat of the new Omicron variant. Anna Stewart joins me now. Anna, more investors on board paying attention today, which means more liquidity, perhaps more rational response going on in the markets as well today. 
more rational, I think that's it. A bit of a bounce back, but certainly not really uh, fully regaining the ground that was lost on Friday. Uh, looking at European markets, all up 1% or higher. Similar story, Wall Street as well. Uh, and look at the oil prices, Julia, up 5 6 nearly 7% for WTI. Again, doesn't fix the uh, 10% drop we saw on Friday. But it certainly feels like investors are taking stock. They've had the weekend to look into this, to realize that they don't have all the answers yet. And I think that means we're set for a really volatile week or two. Essentially, however long it's going to take for scientists to, to look into this variant and decide whether or not it could evade the uh, vaccines that are out there at the moment. What does it mean for the global economy? Does it mean further lockdowns loom? Does it mean broader travel restrictions could be imposed? These are big questions. Of course, investors want the answers, but they don't have them yet. I saw one great comment from an equity analyst at Wells Fargo today saying, we do not recommend uh, panic selling or repositioning. Sorry. Conversely, it is hard to say nothing to see here as you were. And I think that's definitely the feeling I'm getting on markets today. Yeah, I prefer your first version, repositioning. I'm feeling (laughs) repositioning today. Repositioning. Repositioning. Let's do it. I feel very repositioning. Yes, me too. Always. Thank you very much for that. So I don't sit still. You're watching First Move. More to come. Welcome back to First Move and a look at some of the stories making headlines around the world. Turkey is ready to act as mediator between Ukraine and Russia. That's according to reports today. Russian forces have been accumulating on the Ukraine border, inflaming long-standing tensions. On Friday, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said a group of Russians and Ukrainian separatists were planning to carry out a coup against him this week. Taiwan's defense minister says China is trying to intimidate the island's military, but warned that Taipei has countermeasures. Officials in Taipei said more than two dozen Chinese Air Force planes flew into Taiwan's air defense zone Sunday. China made a similar move last month. Beijing has said the missions are to protect China's sovereignty. While Powers and Iran are convening today in Vienna to resume talks on Iran's nuclear program, it follows a nearly six-month break in discussions and the election of Iran's new president. The United States, which pulled out of an international agreement signed in 2015, says it's prepared to use other options if diplomacy fails. Nick Robertson has more on why expectations for this seventh round of talks are low. Iran's uranium enrichment, a possible path to making a nuclear bomb, is way beyond internationally agreed levels. Iran has been using this time to advance its nuclear program. Talks to head this off stalled late June, with the election of a new hardline president in Iran. But we'll finally restart Monday. The outcome is uncertain, the stakes high, the US insisting Iran must move forward. This window of opportunity will not uh, be open forever. The 2015 Iran nuclear deal called the JCPOA, Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, was a signature achievement of the Obama-Biden leadership. Cut off every pathway that Iran could take to develop a nuclear weapon. Years of fraught negotiations cut Iran's pathway to a bomb by limiting uranium enrichment and committing them to international inspections. It wasn't perfect, but UN monitors confirmed it worked. Until 2018, when President Trump pulled the US out of the JCPOA. We will be instituting the highest level of economic sanction. Iran's response, up its uranium enrichment, stymie some inspections. 
Tensions rose. The U.S. killed Iran's top general. Tehran strikes back at U.S. forces in Iraq. Iran's top nuclear scientist mysteriously shot dead. Tehran blames Israel, confirmed by the U.S. Diplomacy is the best way to prevent Iran from gaining a nuclear weapon. Since getting into office, Biden has been trying to get back into the agreement and limit Iran's missile program. Iran has been playing hardball, six rounds of negotiations stalling, even as they ramp up enrichment. The main issue in upcoming negotiations is actually removing all the illegal sanctions against Iran. And since the last round of talks, an added uncertainty. Iran has a new U.S. skeptic government with new negotiators. At the recent G20 summit in Rome, President Biden met with European partners to firm up a plan if the talks stall again. And for sure, Iran will exploit any differences. The clock is ticking. And so far, Iran's calculation appears to be the talks, or lack of them, are going in their favour. Nick Robertson, CNN, London. And an unusually sticky end here for our finally on first move today. It's officially Maple Syrup Monday, at least in Julia world. Forget oil reserves. It's all about syrup supplies. The shortage is so bad, Canada is releasing nearly 50 million pounds from its strategic maple syrup reserves. Yes. That is actually a thing. How cool is that? And the problem is not supply, by the way. It is crazy levels of demand up over 20 percent from last year as more of us cook at home. Pancake perfection. And that's it for the show. If you've missed any of our interviews today, they will be on my Twitter and Instagram pages. You can search for at CNN. In the meantime, stay safe. I think it's about keeping calm and carrying on at the moment. Connect the world with Becky Anderson is next and I'll see you tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.